you know, as you know, we're doing the tallest building in Maine, mm -hmm. which is exciting as heck to me that we're a Maine-based company building Maine's tallest building. And it's not being built by somebody from away. Marita matters. Advocacy. Thoughtful. I get inspired by my colleagues. I think the value of Marita is, is the people. The value of Marita? The value of Marita is immense. Because Marita matters. All right, I'm ready. Are we recording? We are recording. It's happening. Welcome to Marita Matters. Marita Matters. Marita Matters, the podcast that lets you listen in on conversations with people who are driving responsible development in Maine. I'm Craig Young. I'm the current president of Marita and a partner and broker at the Bolas Company. And with me is the incomparable Shannon Richards. I don't know how we're back together again, but I Shannon, know. tell us about you. Well, I'm the vice president of Marita and I am your cohort, and I am the founder of a small design, real estate design and construction company called Hayrunner. And are you as excited as I am to be here today? I think more so. I know. This is going to be great, because what really matters in Marita is the community and our members and highlighting those folks. Mm -hmm. And with us today is someone real special. So I'd like to call him. He's a friend. I've known him since I got into the business, and his name is Kevin French. Kevin, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Excited to be here? I'm very excited. Well, that's great. Well, before we get into the fun part, I just got to read a little bit of Kevin's bio. It's impressive. I had forgotten how impressive this guy is. So Kevin is the chairman and the chief executive officer at Landry French Construction. Uh, he's responsible for providing the vision and strategic direction of the company, the business growth, and the key talent. That all makes sense. But then as you go on further, under Kevin's leadership, he has catapulted the firm into one of the most successful construction management firms in northern New England with revenues over $170 million. Crazy. Shannon, what did I just say? $170 million. Landry French has earned spots on Inc. Magazine's 5,000 fastest growing companies in America, ENR's top New England contractors, best places to work in Maine for eight consecutive years. Yeah, it's amazing. I think you and I need a new job. I know. And Kevin has, was named Biz Magazine's Business Leader of the Year last year. Kevin transitioned the company to a 100% stock-owned ESOP um, and increased uh, revenues by 130%. So not only is he doing well, his employees are doing well. Kevin, you've done well. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about Landry French today. This just doesn't happen overnight, but I know you have some big jobs going on, and Landry French is really crushing it. Tell us what Landry French is doing today. Well, what aren't we doing? It's a uh, it's a crazy time right now. Uh, you know, as you know, we're doing the tallest building in Maine, mm -hmm. which is exciting as heck to me that we're a Maine-based company building Maine's tallest building, and it's not being built by somebody from away. Yeah, That's I love that. Exciting and we're crushing the job. Uh, we have some phenomenal people that work at the company, and that's really the success of our company is the people that we surround ourselves with. Uh, we get some of the top talent, and uh, we're just, we're, we, we crush it that way by just doing what we're supposed to do and being better today than we were yesterday. That's one thing that you can't not take your eyes off. How are we going to be better today than we were yesterday? Mm -hmm. And just continue day after day of thinking that way. I love that. And not just the largest building, you've done some other impressive things. I know that you, during the pandemic, uh, you folks were hired and did a bunch of work for Abbott Labs. Can you talk about that? Because that was time sensitive and crazy. <clears throat> crazy. Um, crazy is an understatement. That uh, Abbott Labs on Bradley Drive, which Bolas was one of the uh, 
the reps on that that real estate deal, but I got a call on a Sunday night about seven o'clock uh, that they had a building that potentially was going to go under lease and they needed the uh, 120,000 square foot building up and operational within 90 days. And that so, was for? That was for Abbott. And that was to produce um, COVID swabs? Uh, not swabs, the test kit. Test kits? Test kits for, for COVID. Wow. And um, so we had a, a a facility that was a distribution facility, mm -hmm. all the conveyor belts, not set up for laboratory use. Mm -hmm. We went in and literally started from scratch, nothing in place. And on by Thursday morning, the lease was signed at, let's say it was 8.30, 9 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I had about 100 people that walked in at 9.15 and started work. Wow. And we, um, it's much like you'd see a rapid response team going into a hurricane mm -hmm. or anywhere else. That's what we had initiate. And it, it got initiated by a little company in Scarborough, Maine, that nobody said, there's no way you can do this in 90 days. Watch this. Yeah, right. Just watch this. Now, well, did I, I have doubt? I had a little doubt. <laughs> there's going to be a theme here in this discussion. Kevin keeps being told, you can't do that, and yet he does it. So yeah. Motivating words. So did you have your whole team, like, geared up, masked up? You had to keep, like, protocols internally to do that kind of thing too, right? Everybody was masked up. Um, we brought an architect team right in to work on site. Mm. So they would literally... Sketch. We're talking design build in action. In action. Yep. That, you know, people have said we're building a plane as it flies. Yep. So you would have three designers in one office. They would literally sketch things out mm -hmm. and hand it out the door. We'd take that sketch and go out and start building it. That's amazing. And then two days later they said, uh, we, didn't quite, we didn't quite get that right. We need to move that wall. We'd go out, take the wall apart and move it, whatever we needed to move it, and keep on moving. Wow. Um, we assembled... I think we had roughly about 12 or 15 people from Landry French there. Mm -hmm. And we assembled those 12 or 15 people within, I would say, 10 days. Mm -hmm. um, it was Talk about it, it was response. probably the project of my career, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm hoping something more challenging comes in. I don't think I'll ever see it because I never even heard anything like this. Yeah. yeah. Really amazing. But you've also done work for like Kobe College. You know, We're another heady organization. Yeah. Uh, I know Paul Uranic is a friend of yours, and you guys have done some work up there. But that's, well, you know, that, Kobe's no small player in the state. They're doing a lot with Waterville, and you folks are part of that. We've done everything in Waterville for them. Um, I, should, I shouldn't say everything. We've done 95%, a lot. 95 mm -hmm. of all their work. We've been there for approximately six years straight, mm -hmm. haven't left. And you say you're a small firm, but tell us about the numbers. How many employees do you have? You know, we hear about your sales, but tell us a little bit about the people. We have about seven, I think 72 currently, mm -hmm. uh, mostly uh, construction professionals, project managers. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and know, are you primarily in Maine? Do you have offices outside of the state as well? We're in New Hampshire as well. Uh, we're going to currently have one project going in Massachusetts, but primarily Maine. Uh, from Bar Harbor, we're at Jackson Lab, uh, projects in Bangor, down to Waterville, and of course the Portland area. What would you say is your like go-to favorite project for your company? Like, where's like hitting it right in the pocket? All of them. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, Spoken like a salesman. Right. <laughs> well, we can do it all. So if I said, you know, healthcare is my favorite, then I have somebody that's on the corporate that'd be like, yeah. hey, what do you yeah, yeah, care yeah. about me? Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't think of that. I was just thinking more scale. 
Like maybe, you know, so, or location if that's a thing. So or... for, for me, it's not the location, it's the challenge of the project. Yeah. Landry French seems to do really well with challenging projects that people yeah. say, it can't be done like that. Mm -hmm. And we said, all right, let's put our hat on innovation mm -hmm. and let's think about how it can be done to meet the needs of that client. That's right. And mm -hmm. let's knock it out of the park while we're doing it. And I love it when people tell me it can't be done. I yeah. love it. It charges me up, fuels me up. I, I'll get up in the middle of the night and just sit like, I can do it. We will do it. And and it's not so much me doing it. It's the team. Mm -hmm. Put the challenge out to my team. But you're they'll, running They'll, they'll figure team. it out. Yeah. 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 So let's well, they not... Might run, they probably run me more when I run them. <laughs> <laughs> so Landry French includes Dennis Landry, who I know uh, has retired at the end of the year. Yes. Um, and so what does that mean to you now running this? You know, we've talked about it's great to have teamwork and to have that co-partner. What does it mean going out now without Dennis and continuing to run the company? He's going to be missed. There's yeah. no question. It's and is he 100% retiring? 100%. Well, you know, his personal life, I'm sure he's going to pick up something yeah, that maybe isn't a forty, you know, fifty-hour week. But he's not picking up a hammer and coming back. I don't know. No, <laughs> he's not. Uh, you know, he he's going to be sorely missed by everyone in the company. Dennis is a very likable person. Uh, integrity. Uh, I can go on and on about Dennis Landry, and uh, you know, I'm happy that he's got the ability to, you know, go on to the next. Can chapter. I ask you a little bit about that? You know, it's yeah. like I think we all have different relationships at work and colleagues and partnerships take a lot of different forms, but it seems to me like there's a special magic when it happens in a business where you, you really key into one another mm -hmm. and knowing very little about the background, but seeing that you guys rate, were, you know, came to the top, rose to the top really quickly mm -hmm. uh, when you did kind of focus in on and create Landry French. Um, so what is that magic? What's that special sauce you guys have together? Well, um, we didn't cross pollinate a lot. Um, Dennis took care of a lot of the operations piece of the business, mm -hmm. took care of uh, a lot of the accounting side of the business. Yep. I took care of more of the strategic planning. Mm -hmm. uh, where are we going to go next year? Where are we going to go in five years from now? Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it's easy to say where are we going to go in the next 30 days, but looking out a year, two years, five years out, mm -hmm. um, I think that's where we blended well together. Yeah. So yeah. you were more like the vision maybe, and he was more like the accounting or like the I, back I would end. Say, I would say that, yeah. I mean, I, I work more with business development. Yeah. Um, client interface, uh, work more with the estimating department, pre-construction. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dennis took care of pretty much everything other than that. Yeah. So we have a, we have a COO mm -hmm. in place that's kind of backfilling what Dennis did. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I think it's going to be a seamless transition. Oh, that's and, awesome. And our, this transition isn't just like happening, you know, this this past December 31st. Sure. It's It started nine months or a year ago. Mm -hmm. So this, we we really... You're ready for it. We're ready for it. Yeah. And it, it, my, the client's not going to see anything different. No. So today, Kevin French, very successful. Landry French, very successful. But that wasn't always the case. Let's step back in time. I first met Kevin probably 30 years ago. I'm not sure you're the one who's the one to admit how long ago we first met. But let's go back to the early days. How did you first get into construction, construction management? Um, and then we'll talk about when we first met. Uh, construction management. Back, uh, I worked for a company called Pizza Galley. Nice. Uh, the, the, that's yeah, when I first yeah. met you. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. You were the man. I don't know if I was the man. So I was a project engineer on a project up to Bates. Mm -hmm. That project is where I met my wife. Nice. Oh. She was a designer. 
Uh, I knew uh, it. I thought I had heard that. Yeah. Yep. She was the designer, and I told her she was the only girl on, on the site, so I didn't have any choice. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Those are some sweet-talking words. You see how she fell in love with you. Just remember, she might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I tell her that all the time. So, um, I was a project engineer uh, working in the office, and uh, there was an opportunity for business development mm -hmm. within the company. And I applied for it. And they said, you have no experience. You have no network. Uh, you don't know anything about sales. They told you what you couldn't do, and you were like, hmm. Thanks. <laughs> Sounds like a challenge. So um, I kept sending the president letters once a week. Another letter. Another letter. Another letter. Good for you. And that was even before email. So I think I physically was going and mailing them. <laughs> yes. And finally, one day, I got a phone call from him. He said, stop, stop, send, stop <laughs> yeah. sending me letters. Come on up and chat. Nice. So I went to Burlington and chatted with him, and uh, he said, "You just, you just don't have it. You know, you don't business development. You need network. You need to be able to pick up the phone. And people recognize your name. You just don't have it." So I went back writing letters again. But I don't know, a month, two months, three months later, I got a call back, back up to back up to Burlington. He's like, "I'll give you a chance. You can have six months. Make me some money. Make it." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you need to write the foot in the door. I needed about two weeks. What did you do? What was the first thing you did? Um, so I met, that's when I met Paul and Morris Fisher. Yeah. And they had a little project called Pineland. Pineland Farm? Pineland Farm. <laughs> yeah. But this was before <laughs> it. it was Pineland Farm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that little project. And I met with them and we went out. And really from that job, they told me about the project. Then we went out for dinner, yeah, and our relationship was formed that night, and a little trust went through. So the next day, I think it was Paul. Paul called me. And goes, I want, I want to meet with you. So I went down and met with him. He said, "We're going to give you the project." Wow. So at that time, back, you know, twenty plus years ago, mm -hmm. that was a seventy million dollar project. Now it would probably be Ugh. a three or four hundred million dollar project. Yep. Maybe even more. So I called the home office. I said, hey, I need to get a contract pulled together. I just landed a $70 million job. I said, well, where's the RFP? Where's this? Where's that? Don't worry about it. I got it. And they thought I was joking till that next week. And they found out it was no joke. And that was the end of it. And then when I got the job, I had, I had this goatee. They made me shave it. Really? <laughs> they made wow. me shave it to get the job. So I, I landed that job and grew it back. And no one ever said another word. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You couldn't tell anybody to do so that's that. How it, that's how, it, that's how that, it started. And that's about when I met you. I think we talked about this might have been around like 1990 or 92, something in that range. It, might, it probably like 97, Or oh, 97. Yeah. So you you had met uh, with Morris and I think Joe Bolas. They were impressed by you, and they had you come in to speak to us brokers. I was mm. a young little buck then. Yeah. And uh, you came in. Scared and, to death. Uh, scared to death. Yeah, you were scared to <laughs> yeah, death, oh, yeah. right? We were impressed. You had all this kind of stuff going on. Tell us about that that first meeting and your subsequent meeting with Joe. Yeah. So that meeting, uh, it was kind of like introducing PC, Pizza Galley, to, to the brokers and figured, who's better? You know, At who aligning know, you yeah, with who, potential Who knows clients. the jobs? Yeah. The brokers. The brokers are the first one to really touch it. Yep. So if I can get some intel from the brokers of, you know, so-and-so is on the move, I can get totally. try to sell the job. Mm -hmm. So I went and did a little presentation on who Pizza Galley was and who I am and try to build relationships. You know, fast forward the uh, 25 years from that, I still, a lot of those relationships are still in place, you know? 
Craig, you're, you're one of them. I yeah. think that's why what we're doing is so important. Merida is a place where you, we hear this all the time, where you meet people that matter and it helps your career in one way, shape or form. And look, I mean, all these years later, we're talking about, you know, Joe who started Bullis. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Joe and, you know, um, his brother was there. And after the meeting, I said, hey, Joe, can I get a couple minutes of your time? And he said, sure, you know, certainly Joe's always open and um, helping. And I went in his office and we shut the door. And I said, Joe, I really don't know what I'm doing. And I said, <laughs> you know, I said, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, I know I can do it. I just, you know, will you mentor me and give me a little help? Absolutely. Wow. So um, fast forward to that. We went to a meeting one day. And Joe and I were riding in the car, and I remember I was chewing gum. He goes, what are you, what are you doing? I went, I don't know, what am I doing? He goes, you chewing gum? I went, yes. He goes, throw that out. I went, oh, get in school. Rolling yeah. it out, gum went out the, out the window. So we're going to this meeting. Um, I can't remember who the client was, but they wanted to move to um, potentially a new build, decent-sized building. And... Um, they're thinking about going to Sable Oaks. And uh, Joe looked at me and he said, hey, you're not a business development today. You're vice president. Just keep that in the back of your mind. So he introduced me as vice president of, of, of Pizza Galley Construction. Always the consummate salesman he was. <laughs> wow. I still say there was no one better. No. And I, I learned that day. It's like, okay, don't, you know, you can ad lib a little bit to, to get what you needed. But, you know, to give that instant credibility... I, I took everything in as a sponge, hmm. especially around that man. Just a sponge and took it yeah. all in and just great opportunity. Right mm -hmm. right place, right time. Did and isn't he job? amazing in a sales situation and in a meeting? He's really oh, he's, he's pretty John, special. Johnny on the spot. Johnny would, on the spot yeah, is a good he, one. He, yeah. um, and I still stay in contact with him. You yeah, know, I would say, you know, two or three times a year we, we chat and just touch base and I always, it seems like I always come away with something I didn't know out of a, out of a small conversation. Well, you can only, that's the things you can only learn from somebody who's been there and done it. That's why it's so important to mentor. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, you'll be a mentor to someone else. Hopefully someone hears this and, you know, you can offer something and bring me. something to it. the table. I know. We're both me. like, <laughs> sign us up. Um, so you've had a great career. You're at Pizza Galley for a while. You went on to Ledgewood where you, uh, I don't know if you ran that, but you helped grow sales significantly. Great situation, um, but apparently not enough. So you decide to start your own company. Why was it important to start your own company? Well, I, I owned Ledgewood. Mm -hmm. So when I left uh, Pizza Galley, I, I went in with another partner and bought into Ledgewood. We, uh, Which was pre-existing? You just bought in as a partner? I, uh, correct. Me, we bought the, the existing owner uh, gotcha. out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, we grew we grew that company probably 4x mm -hmm. in about four years. Wow. And I had a child that went to CVA up in, up in Sugarloaf. Oh, right. And Augusta, my wife, mm -hmm. had moved up there full time. He got in a little trouble in the dorms. So As we do from time to time. <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> so she moved up to, to have my son live in the house, mm -hmm. keep a little better handle on him. And at the time, we had two small children mm -hmm. under the age of four. Oh, wow. I was coming down here on Monday afternoon and staying through Thursday, then going back to Sugarloaf. I got old pretty quick. I was finding that um, I wasn't part of my children's life at a young age. And yeah. I missed that. 
uh, had an opportunity to sell Ledgewood. Yeah, you don't get that back. We were, at the time, it was 2000, 2006, and we were making a lot of money, and I could sell the company at a premier, and we all know what happened after 2006. Yeah, probably a good time to get out. So I had a, I had a four-year non-compete. Mm -hmm. First year was great. I traveled everywhere fishing. I had a fly rod in my hand all the time. Went all over the place. Um, did, did a lot of trips with, with some good people. Second year, okay. It wasn't as good as the first year. I think those competitive juices really started to come out. And I was like, mm -hmm. what am I doing with myself? Mm -hmm. um, I bought a local uh, mechanics garage up there and I was towing cars and something. That I remember this. Some <laughs> things you wouldn't see me crawling under a car getting somebody out yeah. of a snowbank, yeah. but it kept me busy. Yeah. And uh, that's awesome. coming into the third year. I but those like, of us in the industry that knew you didn't understand. We knew you had to know compete, but it was like, what is he doing? doing? <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're better than that, but you you like to succeed more than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was driving my wife nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Um, too I, early to retire. Too early to retire. And she, she said, I'm never retiring again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. She drew the line. Yeah, so the third, th third year coming into it, I knew I was going back. Yeah. So then you laid the groundwork, and that's probably how come you, like, catapulted? Because you just hit it, like... Yeah, um, so Dennis Landry had uh, Landry uh, Construction, Landry Corporation, I think he was called. And Dennis and I always stayed friends. Because mm -hmm. he, he, at the time, back when, when I saw Ledgewood, he was the president of Peyton Construction. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he left in 06, the time when I sold Ledgewood, to start his own company. And Dennis, you know, I would, I would, he wasn't overly successful, but, you know, he, he ran a business and, you know, doing smaller type work. So I called him one day and he said, hey, Dennis, I th think I'm coming back. I'm either going to buy into a company, mm -hmm. start a company, or merge. Mm -hmm. Those are my three choices. I can do either one of them. He goes, let's talk. Mm -hmm. So Dennis and I met in Farmington, Maine one afternoon, had a cup of coffee, and decided that maybe the two of us should join. This is what I think I could add mm -hmm. to your company. Dennis was doing a couple million a year in mm -hmm. construct construction. So I joined him July of 2010, mm -hmm. July 1st. And that first year, I believe we did over $10 million nice. in six months. It's amazing. So what did, what drives you? What is your why? We talked the other day. What is your why? What's important? To, why do you need to do this? I like challenges. Yeah. I that's love, your driving force. That's my driving force. I love uh, the competition. Yeah. I, I, if it's a $50 million job or if it's a million dollar job, it's not handled any different. Yeah. It's, it's a W. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a W. And that's your reputation. Yeah. You know, you hear it around and around. Totally. Um, yeah. But, and I also know it's not all about the numbers. I know it's not just about making money. Uh, you've given back to the community in a lot of ways. I know Camp Sunshine is something that you're involved in and it's important to you. Tell us about your involvement with them and the suitcase party and how all that <laughs> came about. So uh, we've been doing the suitcase party for five years. Uh, this was our last year doing what it. What is it? Uh, suitcase party is a um, an event that's out to Mac Air, yeah. private hangar out to uh, the yeah. jet port, 
and you have a, a big party and you give away a trips to New York. Mm -hmm. So they literally go from the party with their suitcase, mm -hmm. get on the plane and go to New York City for oh. the for, If you win. If you win for two nights. <laughs> okay. And there's six people that can go down. Mm -hmm. uh, so this past year, for that one night event, we raised two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Oh my god. Gross. Netted, you know, netted over two hundred. Yeah. Um, we had a cement mixer brought in that made cocktails. Oh my God! Uh, literally. <laughs> Why wasn't I invited? Were you invited? I've been invited. I've gone to pre. I didn't go this past year, but I've been to others. It really I'm is. I'm coming in the next one. So literally, I think this was it, the last year. And this though. wasn't a hand crank oh, no. cement mixer. This I was a truck. It. Yeah. <laughs> and out of the back of the truck came your cocktail. It was like a huge slushy. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was pretty was... cool. We had a uh, band from Boston this year. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to think how many people there. It was. I could be exaggerating, 650, 700 people. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Do you guys order, organize that at the office? or Right, a... right in the office, the Camp Sunshine and our staff. Yeah. Uh, we start almost a year in advance. Sure. It's like a wedding. Yeah, must be. That many people. Yeah. Now, we have we have the main the, the main stage. We have a VIP stage that mm -hmm. you, you go up and have a private bar area mm -hmm. that we allow. I believe it's 200 into that private bar area. So uh, before us starting... They were they were raising roughly thirty five to fifty thousand. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. this is a small organization. How did you get connected with them? And I would think raising two hundred thousand dollars for a relatively small nonprofit like uh, Kim Sunshine is spectacular. Yeah, how did that come about? Uh, I have a friend that sits on the board of directors of Camp Sunshine, a guy named Danny Shaw, Shaw Brothers. Mm. Mm -hmm. So Danny called me up one day and said, "Hey, will you help us on this?" Mm -hmm. And Give us some of that energy and inspiration. I said, sure. And then all of a sudden, I went full tilt. All you know, they threw me right in. And I said, let me see the numbers. What? Let me see the event. And I went to the event before I, I belonged. And I looked around. And I kind of like, all right. How can I supersize this a little bit? <laughs> how can I make? Because it went on five years prior to us joining. Mm -hmm. And I always feel that it's almost like term limits. Yeah. I think you get termed out, let somebody else lead for a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Keller Williams had the first five. Mm -hmm. We just had the last five. And I said, you know, I'm I'm done. Not not because of the, the event. It's just I want to see some new blood come. Yeah. Um, yeah, things can get stale. Yeah, it's get great. stale yeah. and new ideas yep. and mm -hmm. um, you know, how how you know, how can the next team supersize yep. what we just did? Mm -hmm. So I you know, and I'm hoping they raise three hundred and fifty thousand at mm -hmm. next year's event. So Landry French will always support Camp Sunshine, but it, it was just time to pass the torch yeah. and see greater things come out of it. That's and do so you know great. who it's being passed to? I or? do not know yet. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't know if you could say it. It's fascinating. It's a great event. Shannon, you and I will have to go. Yeah, definitely. That would be a fun trip to I'm New there. York. Oh, it's, my God. It, it's, it's a blast. Yeah. It, really it is, is a blast. It's a blast. Yeah. Well, obviously, you guys are a statewide organization. You're building all over. You've got contacts all over the place. Not to get into politics and all that, but from a policy perspective, are there things that um, you wish state government or federal government should be doing or can be doing to help the construction industry? Jeez, construction. Construction. Yeah, um, that's like a five-part question. I know. <laughs> um, construction industry overall is in turmoil right now. Yes. Uh, supply issues, uh, labor shortages, uh, pandemic really hurt things when people are allowed to stay home. Um, new policies, uh, you know, a lot of people, they want to work a hybrid. 
We're unfortunately in a construction industry. It takes people with fingers to actually put work in place. So we lost a big part of the workforce due to that. Oh, um, you know, you see it with vehicles, getting a vehicle now because it ships. Mm -hmm. Well, what I was, I was actually telling Paul Uranic this yesterday, back in air handlers was, you know, we could get them off the shelf at times or it'd be like up to a 90 day wait. Now we're a year. Wow. wow. We got transformers that mm -hmm. have taken two years. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, you need a transform, transformer for a job that you're building, it's a year build, and it takes two years to get a transformer. Yeah. What does that do to the client? Totally. And the client looks at us like, oh, you guys run on top of this. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, oh, we're on top of it. But, but what can just... the state do to help that? What? I don't. What are there I don't, anything I don't policies think, out there that can affect any of this? I don't think it's a government issue. I, I don't either. But I, I ask because you're in it. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't see a lot of uh, how the government can get involved. I do see one thing that's probably going to affect at some point uh, the unions getting into into main government pretty hard right now, mm. uh, asking main housing to develop PLAs. Which is labor labor agreements, mm -hmm. and um, which puts added costs to the owner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have open shop contractors that will not sign a PLA, mm -hmm. which takes, you know, it, the work the work uh, out there is so saturated. There's so much work out there that we used to have five, six, seven subcontractors bid electrical. Mm -hmm. Now we're lucky if we can get two right. because there's just so much work. You throw a PLA out there and say, oh, by the way, we're going we're gonna to initiate this PLA. Yeah, I got five other jobs I can go to. No thanks. Right. Mm -hmm. Are you folks at Union Shop at all? We're open. You're open. Okay. Yeah. But, we, um, but we hire union. We're not, we're not saying you have to be open. We're not saying you have to be union. We're give us a good product, give us a good price, mm -hmm. and we'll work with you. Yep. Let's talk about since you're, it's not really something the state can answer. Um, employment's tough. How do you find employees? Uh, it's brutal. I think in our industry, it's tough. I think in construction, it's even tougher. So tell me, where do you find people to work? You know, how do you train them? Where do you house them? It's um, it's tough. Really tough. Um, five years ago, you would ask me, what do you do for recruitment, and what what's your average budget? to recruit. I'd probably say we have no budget to recruit and we just word of mouth. Today, I am probably spending 250,000 a year on recruitment. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Really? It's huge. And how many people are you hiring per year? This year we probably hired 12 to 15. And what's your turnover rate? How many do you lose? Very, we only lose two or three a year. That's great. Yeah. I think that's not the standard. It's it's not the standard. And really what we focused on now for, for two or three years, so we've had some awesome people from the state of Maine move away to Massachusetts and to other places for a career. Mm -hmm. They want to build challenging buildings. They want to work on, um, you know, just some exciting projects. The state of Maine overall has not had that mm -hmm. until recent times. Yeah, we're so really small. We're, we're small. Yeah. So these 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 people move away. They're doing the challenging projects. They get trained. Well, I'm out trying to recruit those people back. Mm. Okay. We're doing an 18-story building right now. Mm -hmm. We're doing a new $80 million project for, for Colby that's coming up. 
-hmm. How do I attract those people that moved away, started families, get them back to Portland, Maine to do these great projects? How and do you do it? Reach out to them. Start yeah. conversations. Um, our COO that we hired in November um, is from Biddeford, Maine. Mm -hmm. His wife's from Saco, Maine. They lived in Boston for the last 18 years. And I brought them back. I mean, yeah. I think Maine is a great place and we see people coming back all the time. <clears throat> yeah. But it's, it's tough. It is tough to get them here and also to find housing. Housing's been tough. We're in an economy that's changing. Um, interest rates have gone up. It mm -hmm. should slow down the economy in some capacity, it would seem, although it seems like it's still going well. But are you seeing any supply chain differences yet, uh, or is it still tough? Still tough. Yeah. Very, very tough. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a good place, for, for, especially for a GC. And where are the toughest parts today? <sighs> or is it just everything? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's everything. Are you stockpiling? Um, something, the, the biggest thing that we can do is order early. Mm -hmm. Don't, so some projects, you know, back in the day, you'd buy your project out as the project goes. Right. You know, because they're more, more or less off the shelf. Now you're buying your project out 100% within the first 30 days. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, we very much go into the owner and ask the owner to pre-release us on items that we know is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Generators are a year and a half. Mm -hmm. mm. So even though we don't have a contract for the whole project, releases for the generator, releases for the air handler units, mm -hmm. uh, any specialty equipment, releases. So they're on the hook for those items that we're releasing, but they're not on the hook for the whole building. And it's not probably the owner as much the bank. Somebody's got to like understand that. Uh, you know? Either the bank or self-funded. Yeah. And typically, it's clients that can self-fund those items that, that could add up to you know three or four million dollars. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, have you started to see any slowdown in construction yet? I know you guys are busy, but are, are big projects being tabled or or? I'm starting to see it right now. Yeah, I'm starting to see developers scramble at the last second. Um, you know, they're losing finance. Mm. They have investors that are pulling out because they're not seeing the return. Yeah, as mm. high as it was. So. I haven't seen the, the complete pull of the plug, mm -hmm. but we're seeing a bit of a scramble. It's on a life support right now, and we're trying to we're trying to figure out some. And they're major jobs. So now you got, you know, in my in my case right now, I got two major projects. What do I do to backfill that vol that volume? That's my next work. question. How and much work people, do you have going ahead? Right, mm -hmm. right, right now we have approximately four hundred million in backlog. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a Which, lot. It sounds a, like a lot. It's it's a it's a lot. But when you start, if you if you lose a hundred million out of that, and you get the personnel to go in, mm. now what do you do with the personnel? Mm -hmm. How do you right. you know how do you not lose those people? Because those are the people that want to be on the challenging jobs, mm -hmm. and the people that cannot sit idle because they'll go somewhere else. Right. So think quick on your feet, and and keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not all just work, work, work. There's a fun Kevin French out there. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit of what you do in your off time. I know uh, Key West is a hot spot for you, pun yeah. intended. Yeah. Uh, tell us what you like to do for fun. Well, you brought up Key West. We'll, we'll uh, concentrate on that. So uh, <laughs> I love Key West. My wife and I both are uh, huge fans of Key West. So we'll spend majority of the winter down there. You own a place there. We rent a place. Oh. We rent the same house. Yeah. Um, it works out 
phenomenal. I can hand the keys back at the end of the stay. Mm. If I want to uh, lengthen my stay, we will lengthen. But uh, basically, Key West, I'm, I'm commuting, commuting back and forth to Maine. So I could go down there for four days, get on the plane and come home, go back down for another four, or I'll go down there and stay for 10. Everything all good down there right now after that big storm? Everything's everything? fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything's fine. I got my golf cart down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I want a golf cart. I want a golf cart. <laughs> I'm not even cart. kidding. I actually fun. want a golf cart. We have to kind of park sometimes far away from the house down in Biddeford on the water. Fly fishing. You said you're into fly fishing? Oh, I love fly fishing. Do you ever fly fish down there? Not down in Florida. Um, I got my boats down there. Yep. Uh, but it's mostly offshore. I love uh, sailfish, mm-hmm. mahis. Um, so occasional deep sea mi- fishing yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, that's big down there, isn't it? Occasional, occasional myelin, you might yeah. you might rise up. Wow. And beyond golf carts, you're a collector of other cars as well, which I don't know a lot about, but I know Shannon is oh, all yeah, excited to talk he about. He just this. told me you're into like old muscle cars. And I'm stuff. into muscle cars. I have uh, four Chevelle SSs. Uh, I had a 1967 El Camino with three in the tree. Three in a tree. So I have a <laughs> glass pack exhaust. <laughs> I have a '67 Chevelle Marina Blue. Mine was like the starlight. It was like yeah. this navy with sparkles. Yeah, I have uh, I have a '66 Chevelle, '67. Oh my god! And I Where have, are they? Uh, they're in my house in, in Cumberland. I'm coming. And I have two '70s that are the same color. Just one's a 454, and the other one's a 396. So I call them the sisters, the big sister and little sister. Do you ever drive them? No. <laughs> um, I have a lift, so yeah. the, the 454 is on top, and the 396 is underneath it. Oh my and god! And I go out. Well, I go out once, twice a week with my little duster, and I dust them off. Oh, man. I got to see them. Check their batteries. And... I'm going to have you text me some pictures. Oh, yeah. A yeah. boy and his toys, yeah. right? <laughs> Doesn't matter how old you get. The barn, uh, the barn's a fun place. Saturdays, I'm out. A lot of Saturdays, I'm out there, and people just stop by. Yeah. I have a hot dog steamer. Nice. So in the morning, I fill the hot dog steamer, and people <laughs> come by and make a, make, make a hot dog, and we sit around. So, you talk about the cars? So the, dr- the dry dock. Remember yeah. The dry dock in the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went down to, to demo part of the dry dock when they were doing the conversion. Mm-hmm. And I said, that bar that's down there? Yeah. I said, that bar is going in my barn. So we took it out. You pulled se- it out? We took it out in sections. I set it up in the barn with the chairs and everything. <laughs> so everybody on Saturdays just goes and hangs out at the barn and have hot dogs. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm not even kidding a little bit. Can you start the car up at least? Uh, sometimes we'll start it up. We might even go for a little ride. All right. Yeah. And what does the future hold for Kevin? Upwards. And then no change. I want to keep doing what I do. I, I, and you're going to do it for a while? No. There's no end. Yeah. I have no intentions of... My wife won't let me. I told yeah. you that earlier. Yeah. She has... I think she'd kill me if I said I'm Saw I'm the done. writing on the wall there. Uh, she was like, yeah. I can start... You know, the pandemic taught me one thing. You have the ability to work some from remote. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the end all, but I do have the ability where I can teams in, mm-hmm. zoom in, mm-hmm. and I don't need to be involved in every meeting. Mm-hmm. I have a team that surrounds me that is so powerful and so good. I am in complete uh, confidence that while I'm down here, the company vision mm-hmm. is going to stay straight on course. That's awesome. If there's a meeting I need to come home for, mm-hmm. I go get on the plane and come home. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. Yeah, it's great to have a great team. I know even with Shannon and I yeah. being here, you do learn to rely on those folks. Yeah, and, you, absolutely. and you need to, right? Yeah. 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 I think the pandemic taught us all too to like take things like life is short, appreciate that time, be able to work from home. Like you you don't have to completely tune out everything. You can separate a little bit, come in and out. It I feel like we're all more flexible. 
which yeah, is good. I, I agree. And, and, and surround yourself with, I, you know, I'm a firm believer, surround yourself with people smarter than you are. Absolutely. I do. Not, That's why I've got you're not smarter than I am, which doesn't take a lot. <laughs> I say it all the time. No, am I not the smartest guy in the room? I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want to hire people and have people around me Mm -hmm. who are smarter and getting things done and keeping me on task, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it it, it challenges you, challenges myself that, okay, Mm -hmm. I just heard something. Let me process that for a bit. Mm -hmm. And how can we, like I said, how are we going to supersize what he just said to make it even better than what he thinks he's on or she's on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, it's, it just it inspires powers you. you. It powers you up to say, I'm getting out of bed in the morning because I can't wait for what I'm going to hear at work. Mm-hmm. And that's your why. That's yeah. my why. Yep. That's you know, it. as we sort of wrap up our discussions, and I can't believe 45 minutes has gone by so quickly. I feel like we could just chat all day. <laughs> we like to end our discussions with uh, what I call the five fan favorites. Five quick questions, Uh-oh. answer one word, two, but uh, not all that lengthy. All fun. Shouldn't get you in trouble. Yeah, this uh, is supposed, no, this is supposed to be like, this podcast is all about trying to get the insider scoop, the background. We want to know you personally, and, you know, this is kind of just fun. So have fun. So after a long day, what's your go-to beverage? Whiskey, wine, water, or what? And where? Depends on where I'm at. If I'm out at a restaurant, it's Crown Royal on the Rocks. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Uh, mm-hmm. Brown has, liquor has, hasn't changed. In, <laughs> I'm a JD and junior guy. Yeah, so has, hasn't changed. LA if I'm maker. if I'm home, it's a martini. Mm-hmm. Nice two martinis. Call it a day. Yep. And what's your favorite go-to restaurant? I know it probably depends where you are, but where do you love to go? Uh, grill room. Ah, here in Portland. Yeah, I love the grill room. Exchange. And what about down on uh, Key West? Key West. Key West Prime Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. What was your last big trip? Big trip. Um, nothing comes to mind. I mean, I was in Key West last month. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a creature of habit. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> I just keep yeah. doing the same yeah. thing. And I, and my, my, but I know I, you have a Harley, right? Do you still have ride? No. No, you haven't ridden as much. It, and now you get the place at Sugarloaf. Right now it's on, a, it's on an elevator in front of my window in the barn. So ah. when you come in, it's, it's up there with lights on it. <laughs> nice. Um, that and the chopper. Uh, so I, Key West really is your happy place. It's our happy place. Yes. yes. You and Augusta. Yeah. Um, who's the most famous person you know or have met? You. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was totally just going to say that's that. That's just sad. That's just sad right there. I'll have to say that. I assume down in Key West you'd probably come across some people, but no. Uh, I mean, Kenny Chesney's kicking around down yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, it's just Kenny on. Chesney. I mean, no big deal. Whatever. He gets around. He, his boat was in there a couple of weeks ago and I was down there. Nice. So. Yeah. And uh, if you weren't doing what you're currently doing, what's your dream job? I'm in my dream job. I was right just going to say that he's doing I'm in, it. I'm in it's my dream job. It's got to be something else you just wish you were. Fly fishing guide, maybe. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, Kevin, I uh, don't know if there's anything else to say. It's just really great to have you here. It's great to have you as our first guest. Yeah. I'm flattered. Uh, I'm flattered that you've been a friend for a lot of years. And I think hopefully some people have. Uh, Taking some takeaways, and maybe you'll get a new mentor out of all this. <laughs> Shannon? Yeah, I'll be here. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. It was really nice to meet you. I always say my office door is always open. I'm coming. Now that I know, I won't even be late this time. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, Thank we'll you talk to you me. later. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks. Thank you to all of our members, and thank you to those that have helped make this season of Marita Matters possible with their sponsorship, including Gold Sponsor and BT Bank. Also, we have to thank the wonderful and amazing Shelley Clark, the heart of Merida, and our executive director. Thanks, everyone. 
Until next time, be well.